Welcome to Illinois Family Spotlight, a conversation about issues of the day from a biblical perspective, as well as highlights from interviews, conferences, and events. Here's Monty Larrick. Thanks for making Illinois Family Spotlight part of your day. Monty Larrick here in Dallas at the National Religious Broadcasters Convention where I am recording an interview with the Reverend Dr. Eric Wallace with the Freedoms Journal Institute. Dr. Wallace, we're here in Dallas, Mm -hmm. but back in Chicago, it's a war zone. A lot of violence going on. Yes. And we've had all sorts of politicians say, well, we need more gun control. We need tougher drug laws. Uh, We need to put more people in prison need these liberal judges to throw the book at some of these uh, offenders? So some of those are, are actually short-term um, fixes. They won't fix the, the real problem. And not only is there a spiritual problem, but there's you know, a problem with uh, families, uh, broken families, the importance of fathers in the lives of, of their children, boys and girls. And it's one of those things where you don't hear politicians talking about that. Intact family, the intact home, a loving mother and father in a home. And I would say as a minister of the gospel, it's not just that. It's a loving mother and father in the home that knows Christ. They've given their lives to Christ and then can, can be that, that guiding force for their children. So the children, now it's not 100% guarantee that if they grow up in that kind of a home, they're going to be on the straight and narrow. But the Bible does tell us, you know, when they're old, they won't depart from it. So. The whole idea is if they do stray, if it's embedded within them, that they'll eventually come back. And so I think the long-term, long-term goal is let's do something about, let's have public policy that strengthens the family, makes it stronger, not, not tears it apart. Well, we are starting to hear a little bit about we need loving families mm-hmm. for these kids. Well, that says to me that it doesn't necessarily have to be a loving mom and dad family. We see even conservative news outlets kind of siding with the gay agenda. Right, right. And, and I was, <laughs> it's funny you should ask that question because in, in my mind I was thinking I should have gone further to say, let's stop redefining what the family is as well. Family is the traditional family or natural family is a mother and a father. Well, that's not PC. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, mother and father, I mean, as best if it's the biological mother and father, but stepfathers will work, stepmothers will work. It's just somebody in the home to guide the children who care about them. This also goes in education because the first place where, where kids start learning is in the home, in the family. So it's really important to, you know, know grandparents, other siblings, to have a loving family surround you and be there for you, to love you even through the difficult times. How's the Freedoms Journal Institute addressing this problem? As you know, we have the RISE Principles, which is an acronym for Responsible Government, Individual Liberty and Fidelity, the S is for Strong Family Values, and E is for Economic Empowerment. So as Strong Family Values, we try and strengthen, uh, talk about strengthening the family, what's important, like being pro-life, school choice, since education starts in home, at the home, we should have, parents should have a right to send their kids anywhere they want. We also started this initiative called Black Families Matter. We've got the Black Lives Matter that's been bantying about and making all kinds of claims. And as we know, they really don't care about black lives. 
But we say if you really care about black lives, you need to be you need to care about black families because it's when the family that young people learn how to thrive, um, become economically viable, and and where prosperity actually lies. You want to be prosperous, get married, and have children after you've gotten married, not before. You know, I think what does it say about poverty? Uh, one way to stay out of poverty is to finish high school, get married, then have well find a job, get married, have children. But Black Lives Matter wants to tear down the nuclear family. That's true. Tell us about that. It was started by at least two lesbians. Marxists. Uh, They're Marxists, right? They talk about uh, trying to destroy the, uh, I don't know if destroy is the correct word, but I know they want to fight against the the traditional family or the natural family. Um, They wanted to grow up in a village. And I people I know people use that term say you know we should raise our kids in the village. Why would they want to do that? What good can come out of that? Well, I think well one of the strongest uh, institutions I think that God created was the family, and as long as we have strong families, you cannot indoctrinate children. When it's done right, you get to train up your child. It doesn't say everybody else train up your child. It says train up your children when they're <laughs> in the way that they should go when they're old. They will not depart from it. So if you, I mean, that's what Hitler did. He started taking children away and started in, in Nazi Germany and started training them to be good Nazis. Well, you know, these socialists want to train our kids to be good socialists, not to be good citizens in the United States or followers of Jesus Christ. They want them to follow their doctrine. And so... That's why you start having, you know, we talk about schools, that's why we start having the sexualization of our children. And, you know, even in kindergarten, you know, they want to start teaching biology and and gender and all these other things, you know, as early as they can to start indoctrinating our kids. Illinois Family Institute is making a big push to get kids out of the public school system. Mm -hmm. But do you foresee a time when our government says, wait a minute, you can't do that? Yeah, there's going to be pushback uh, because they won't be able to fulfill their agenda if we're homeschooling, if we're sending them to Christian schools, if we're sending them to charter schools. I mean, that's what, see, school choice is really about freedom. (laughs) It's about being able to make choices for your own children. If the black community wasn't concerned about anything else, it should be school choice. Because as long as we're in public schools and the public schools are doing as terrible as they are, We'll never, you know, you talk about equality and equity all you want, but until you start getting, your children start getting good education, they'll never be able to, to compete. As long as we have a high dropout rates that we have, as long as we have people hanging out on the street corners, teenagers not going to school, not graduating, we're never going to have that opportunity, and our streets are never going to be safe. Because, you know, what are these kids going to do? Except go out and sell drugs or get involved in gangs and things like that. It's, a, it's kind of a vicious circle. Uh, it goes back to you know, the breakdown of the family, father not being in the home. All these things are connected, and the, uh, the enemy wants to destroy the family. And when you see that Satan wants to destroy the family, and you realize socialism wants to destroy the family so they can have your kids, it's about time that the church stand up and say, enough is enough. You can't have our kids. I don't care what you do. You can put us in jail if you want to, but we will not comply. Well, you said the church stand up, but maybe parents need to be a little bit more proactive too and say maybe our priorities are not in order. Yes, this is going to cost us money, 
We're already paying property taxes for mm -hmm. failing schools. And now we have to spend more money to educate our children in a home school or in a Christian school. I agree, there's, there's gonna be some sacrifice. And back in the day, you would say there was sacrifice. I mean, people homeschooled or they were in these little little uh, schoolhouses and, and uh, you know, had a couple different grades in there. And, but these kids were actually learning. I mean, uh, I look back at some of the, uh, it's amazing, you go back and look at some of the writings of folks who had only when blacks had been out of, out of slavery only a number of years, and you start looking at reading some of the stuff that some of the first blacks who um, served in Congress, the way that they wrote, you read some of this stuff. I'm reading this stuff and I'm wondering, wow, what kind of education did they have? Because, you know, we got people coming out of, out of high school that can barely read and write. And yet these folks, there was a generation that couldn't read or write that when they first came out of slavery. But then shortly after that, a large majority of African-Americans who had been in slavery, another generation, they had learned to read and write, and they were reading and writing at a level that would put us to shame today. Put us to shame. So, how do we get the ball rolling? You talk about church involvement. Oh, right, right, We've right, talked right. about parental involvement. Right, right. What do we have to do to step that up? Do we have to put a, a bug in our pastor's ear or the church elders? I think so. I think when, uh, I mean, pastors have a lot on their plate, okay? I get it. Anybody who stands up to preach every Sunday a message that's relevant from the scriptures, I, I give them kudos. You know, I've done it for a while in preparing that. But I think some pastors are nervous about preaching on um, uh, social issues, on current affairs, what's happening, and how does, how does the scriptures, how do the scriptures relate to that? And if they find out that their congregation is really thirsty or hungering for that, that type of information, then I think they'll be more engaged and more willing to preach. I think some folks, some pastors are just afraid to touch some of those topics because they're afraid people are going to leave. My thing is, some of those people probably need to leave and go somewhere because what we're asking people to do is really walk out to Christianity. And that means we need to tell them how to do that. It's one thing to, to preach through the Gospel of Luke, but it's understanding, okay, what is going on in Luke? What is Christ coming and asking us to do? What does it mean to be a real follower of, of Jesus Christ and how Christ actually challenged our um, TV show, Kingdoms in Conflict, deals with the whole idea that, that the king, the true king of kings actually came to earth and invaded the kingdom of men and is calling us into allegiance to follow him, not to follow the Democrat Party or the Republican Party, but to follow the kingdom. And what does that mean? And it's incumbent upon pastors to flesh that out for their congregation. So then families can stand up and say, I'm gonna take my, my, my daughter or my son out of public school, because you know what Vody Bakum says, you know, if you send your kids, don't be surprised you send your kids to Caesar and they come back as Romans. So, <laughs> so that's, uh, you know, if we talk about our kids falling away from the, from the gospel, it's because we haven't equipped them or their parents to be um, real good disciples and what it means to live that out. God is calling us to be better at discipling our kids and our adults. And at some point, we're gonna have to stand up or we're gonna end up, well, we're going to end up being persecuted one way or the other, whether we stand up or not. 
but those who really know can discern the times will know that it's time to stand up when it's and we need to ask God when is give us the discernment to know when to speak when to be quiet when to take action and what kind of action to take we are going to continue our conversation with Dr. Eric Wallace with the Freedoms Journal Institute when Illinois Family Spotlight continues after this. Listen, that's the sound of Illinois jobs being flushed away because of Governor Pritzker's liberal policies. While his billionaire friends have prospered, thousands of hardworking families have lost their jobs and been forced out of the state in record numbers. Pritzker's tax and regulate agenda has devastated our local businesses and slowed economic growth. It's time to fire J.B. Pritzker. It's time for bold, conservative leadership. Meet Darren Bailey, a rock-solid conservative and third-generation farmer who understands the struggles families face. In the state Senate, Bailey led the fight against Pritzker's unconstitutional orders that closed businesses and deprived us of our freedoms. As governor, Bailey will fight to lower taxes, attract new jobs, and get Illinois back on track. It's time to fire J.B. Pritzker, flush away his liberal policies, and put taxpayers first. It's time for Darren Bailey for governor. Paid for by Bailey for Illinois. We must not live by lies. For the Colson Center, I'm John Stone Street with The Point. According to a friend, the first day of her son's eighth grade class began with teachers asking students to stand up and declare their pronouns. This was in Ohio, but I'd be willing to bet it happened in many state schools this year. Set aside for a moment the wisdom of asking hormone-riddled middle schoolers during the most awkward times of their lives to talk about their bodies in front of their peers. This would have never happened five, even three years ago. Now, compared to the other ways that gender confusion is aggressively advanced in our culture, this one may seem like an innocuous first day of school icebreaker. It's not. Culture's most powerful, not where it's the loudest, but where it makes things seem normal or common. Encouraging students to see their identity as chosen and their physical bodies as wrong, that isn't normal. It isn't true. It's harmful to kids. Christians should not participate. Parents should not let this classroom activity slide by unopposed. I'm John Stone Street. Thanks for joining Illinois Family Spotlight. Monty Larry here from the National Religious Broadcasters Convention near Dallas. Joined by the Reverend Dr. Eric Wallace with the Freedoms Journal Institute. Dr. Wallace, before the break, you told us about a television program, Kingdoms in Conflict. Yes. You just highlighted that a bit, but tell us more. Well, the whole idea came from looking at the, um, I touched briefly on it, the Gospel of Luke, where I noticed that in the first three chapters, they talk about King Herod, Tiberius Caesar, um, a number of different officials in the first three chapters. And at first I just looked at those as being historical markers, thinking, okay, Luke's just trying to be historical, you know, providing, you know, certain people were ruling this during these particular times. I started looking at it later, realizing that Luke is also setting the stage, wanting us to understand that Israel is under duress. They're under the control of a foreign power, a foreign government. So think about that. Israel's under duress, being controlled by Roman Empire. And what happens during that time? <laughs> we have the king of kings being born <laughs> in Israel. The real king, the king of kings, who comes and invades the kingdom of men. So you have the kingdom of God invading the kingdom of men. And so that's where the idea of kingdoms and conflict. 
who are we going to serve? And it's calling the church to a loyalty to the true king. And as I mentioned, it's not to a particular political party. It's to the kingdom. And how are we going to function on this planet as children of God and as members of the kingdom? And if we think of that, especially when it comes time to vote, we're not as concerned about Democrat, Republican. We're concerned about how does this particular person represent our values when it comes time to vote. And I think, let me get a little political here. If the please do, <laughs> if if Christians, black, white, and Hispanic, would take that point of view, we wouldn't have this split body of Christ today that we seem to have when it comes time to vote. We're not saying rah rah. You know, the Republican Party is the best thing since sliced bread. No, the Republican Party has its own problems. Democrat Party really has a whole lot of problems because they've gone so far left. But we'd be looking at the content of the character of the people that we're voting into office. And we'd stand up against those who we know are wrong and hopefully getting people, Christians, to actually run for office so we're not always voting for the lesser of two evils. We actually have somebody who shares our, our faith and our values running for office and we get behind those people, put them in office, so that our public policy starts to reflect those uh, values that we share. You talked about Christians running for political office. What about Eric Wallace in 2022? <laughs> what are your plans uh, politically? Well, my plans politically are to listen to the voice of the Lord and try to hear exactly what he's telling me to do. I've sometimes have felt like, you know, I've run a couple of times in the past, uh, I think two times for state senate, I've run two times for Congress. I don't believe any of them were in vain because I believe I was following God's will. Because sometimes when God tells you to run, it doesn't always mean you're going to win. But yeah, it gives you a platform in which to, which to speak. You get to meet people as you move around and, and talk to folks. I am praying about the, the possibility of running. I won't go into any more detail than that. Uh, I'm going to press you on this. Obviously, <laughs> obviously, if I decide to run, I'll let you, you guys will be one of the first to know. Well, my wife will be the first to know, but <laughs> you all, yeah. some of you will be the first to know. And, uh, you know, we'll get out there and we'll talk to the body of Christ and see, you know, what kind of support is out there. Could Tammy Duckworth have a strong conservative opponent? in 22 well we hope so wherever that <laughs> opponent comes from comes from uh, you know whether it's me or whether it's somebody else we do want christian conservatives to run for office and i'll be the first one to you know either i'll be running or i'll be helping to i'll be trying to help somebody run and win because um, we want to change illinois illinois has a long history of being corrupt and having a number of different problems in both parties let me add that in both parties. And so I think it's going to have to be the church from northern Illinois to southern Illinois, from east to west, for the church to wake up and be counted. It's time to stop listening to all the naysayers. And, oh, we can't do anything. We can't win. We can't do it. Stop it. There's nothing impossible for God. I talked to somebody today. He said uh, that Illinois is hopeless. And I walked away from him because I didn't want to hear anymore. I don't want to hear that kind of talk. God can do anything. What gives you hope for Illinois? The church, the church of Jesus Christ. There are believers who have been praying for the city of Chicago. They've been praying for uh, Cook County. And they've been praying for the state. And I believe God is a God who answers prayer. 
We just need to get the right people in the office, the right, get the right people running, get the right message out there, get some people to come out with money out of their pockets. It doesn't take a, if enough people <laughs> would just send in 10, 15, 20, I mean, just think about it. I think I figured out the other day, if somebody were to run for, um, if somebody, <laughs> if somebody were to run for U.S. Senate to get involved in the um, primary, just to come out, they say it would be nice that people come out with like $500,000. They'd be a, a real candidate, looked at as a real candidate. Well, you get 5,000 people to give you $100. I think that's right, right? <laughs> You're looking at the wrong guy I when it comes to math. <laughs> I think it's $500,000. <laughs> 5,000 people to give $100. That's not a lot of people, and it's not a lot of money. So if we could coordinate and do something like that, we could get behind a, a candidate to at least to give them a lift. Because for too long, people in Illinois continue to look for people who have money to run for office. It's like you can't run for office unless you're already a millionaire. And, you know, the last two governors have basically bought the office. So I'm not looking for a millionaire. And I hope other people aren't looking for the amount of money somebody comes to the table with, looking for the content of somebody's character. And then they get behind that. So there's plenty of money out there. It just happens to be in other people's pockets. But you mentioned something. It, it takes people, not necessarily who are going to run for public office, but who will get behind these candidates, not just monetarily, but to knock on doors, to talk to their circle of friends, absolutely, uh, to stuff envelopes, whatever. I'll give you another example. Run for office statewide. So whether you're running for governor, U.S. Senate, um, treasurer, whatever. If you're running statewide, you generally need 10,000 signatures. If we could coordinate that, get 1,000 people. And on one, on generally on, on the plain sheets, there's 10 names. 1,000 people to get one sheet that's 10,000 names. You could do that in a weekend. <laughs> Instead, you generally have you know, a handful of people trying to get 10,000 signatures and you work them to death. But if we could organize that kind of thing and get the church behind it, you could do that one Sunday after church. People get together and start signing petitions. And you gather those petitions and you've got, your, you've got enough signatures to, to get on. It's generally 5,000 is the minimum but they, they want you to double it so you don't get knocked off. So you could do that in one weekend with a thousand people, each saying, I'll get you one sheet. And that's nothing to get 10 names, nothing. So there you go, some activism uh, broken down right. in easy terms. I wanna switch gears a little bit here, Dr. Wallace. I heard Star Parker with the Cure Network talk about how critical race theory BLM and the LGBT movement are all interlocked. Do you see that? Yeah, I do. I do. It's all interlocked to try and destroy our, our society. They want socialism. And I think that's clear. Back in the 60s, somebody once said, the issue is never the issue. It's the revolution. So it doesn't matter what they're saying over here on the left. What they're really talking about Get, trying to get to is the revolution. So as Black Lives Matter really isn't concerned about black lives, it's about start fomenting hate and so forth. 1619 Project really isn't concerned about history. They're about trying to get people all upset. They're trying to start a revolution. 
it's not a, this whole gender dysphoria thing is not necessarily about saying that there's 20, well, they'll say there's 20 or 30 different genders or a couple of hundred. It's about causing confusion. Uh, it's about breaking down what stabilizes our society. So in the midst of all the chaos, they can come in and say, well, we've got a better answer. You know, capitalism is always taking everybody's money. We've got a better plan. A plan, of course, that is never really, that, that can't- That steals your money that, that you that, Yeah, that <laughs> takes everything that you own, is no longer yours, and, uh, and it's never worked any place it's been tried. It's always led to more death. Well, we need to wrap things up, but I need to know a little bit more, a refresher about Freedom's Journal Institute. As I mentioned before, we have Kingdoms in Conflict. We're in the midst of doing our second, series, uh, second season. We finished our first, and it's being carried not only on TLN, but on NRB TV. We're doing some more things with Black Families Matter. We're still looking at doing our um, documentary, <laughs> Racism in America and the Role of the Church, A Matter of Life, Liberty, and the Pursuit of Holiness. With all that's going on today with, as we mentioned, BLM, 1619 Project, and what else? Oh, CRT, Critical Race Theory. Yeah. It's time that we talk about racism from a biblical perspective, a conservative biblical perspective. We're, we're always hearing the, the liberals, because they've got the microphone. Of course, I've got one right now. They've, they have the microphone, and they're the loudest, but they're not correct, and they're doing it for nefarious reasons. The church wants to tell the truth, and the church is the only one that has the remedy for racism and that's Jesus Christ. It's about learning how to love one another and seeing each other as brothers and sisters in Christ. And so those are some of the things that we're doing. Got a website? Oh yes, <laughs> freedomsjournalinstitute.org. Please check out freedomsjournalinstitute.org. We also have um, an app that we'd love for you to download on your phone. I have it on my uh, phone and yes, know how to do. use it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so you can download that. Just go to your app store please download it and you can you'll have access to the rise principles on video you have access to our first season of kingdoms and conflict and as kingdoms and conflict starts coming out we're going to upload it to the app you'll be one of the first ones to be able to see it and everything we pretty much do you can you can access from the app thank you so much and thank you folks for tuning in please support the work of the Illinois Family Institute remember our faith family and freedom banquet October 29th with the Reverend Dr. Erwin Lutzer. We will not be silenced. Go to our events page at IllinoisFamily.org. Please tell your family and friends about Illinois Family Spotlight. And until next time, stay healthy, stay active, and God bless. For more information about Illinois Family Spotlight, visit ifiaction.org. And to email questions and comments, do so at feedback at ifiaction.org.